Welcome to the first 90 days podcast, bringing you the real story of how to go from idea to business in just 90 days. This podcast is focused on the journey of building startup Upski, a website performance monitoring tool. I'm your host, Lauren Davis, founder of The Growth Academy. And I'm Mark Berman, co-founder of What What Ventures and founder and head of product of the startup Upski. In this episode, we're talking about how to find and leverage corporates and other partners to rapidly get more customers and grow your startup. So Mark, today, as you know, we're focused on strategic partnerships. And specifically, I thought we could talk about how to find suitable partners, um, how to approach them, and how to communicate and agree on a, a mutually beneficial way to collaborate. Uh, there's, there's a common quote that strategic partners are way more important than money, which I don't know that I agree with necessarily or if you would, but they're definitely important and a great way to grow fast. And so since we're getting very close to the launch of Upski, it felt like the perfect time for us to have this discussion topic and essentially agree on a plan of attack for us for Upski. Some of the no-brainer audiences, you know, the startup community. So that's incubators, <clears throat> accelerators, um, shared working spaces, any program or physical location. Uh, many, many startups, you know, either attend or use, um, you know, those facilities. You know, if we kind of think a little broader here, but, you know, there may also be, you know, potential for, um, you know, some type of corporate partnership. You know, as an example, um, you know, maybe there's uh, a large provider of technology out there who may not have the type of service that we offer, but they deal with a lot of corporate customers. Maybe yeah. there's a way to partner with them to try to, you know, white label or, or, or somehow offer the service that we're building to their customers. So those are, you know, off the top of my head, you know, two very different sides of the spectrum, you know, more startup-y on the one side versus, you know, more corporate-y on the other side. But uh, curious to get your thoughts. Cool. Well, I mean, I think, you know, the way you're approaching this is the same as, as I would think to do it, which is, you know, who out there has a captive audience of people who we would say fit into our target market. So I don't necessarily think it yeah, I don't think it necessarily matters if they fit into the corporate bucket or, or the startup. But for us, because we want to reach both DevOps and entrepreneurs, I guess let's look at both. Um, but one thing you did mention was, you know, do we, could we find a, a corporate to white label with or, you know, potentially just some incubators or say co-working spaces where we could just ask them to spread the word for us. So I guess they're on a spectrum of strategic partnerships, they're almost at opposite ends. So have you given much thought to the extent of partnerships that we might be aiming for with Upski? As in, are we just looking for those friendlies and contacts we have to spread the word and, and push out our, say, you know, press release for us? Or are you open to and considering those deeper partnerships such as white labeling or, or reseller agreements? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if we just take a step back, I think for any entrepreneur, uh, I think being open to all partnerships, especially in the early days of launching is, you know, is probably important. Um, but I think, you know, one of the challenges is, um, is not to be too rapid fire, if you know what I mean. Um, um, mm -hmm. The saying is spray and pray, as opposed to be, you know, somewhat more targeted. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, it's one thing to come up with 
you know, five or six or maybe more, you know, different potential external partnerships um, and then go after each as long as the, you know, cost to go after is not insane and to use that maybe as a learning to see, you know, which of those potential audiences are maybe more or less receptive especially as you know as the messaging evolves and whatnot you know how you may pitch it in the early days whatever your offering is versus how you might pitch it 6 12 or 24 months later maybe very yeah. different i'm all for um you know going after multiple potential partnerships in the early days but then taking a step back as the interest comes in because there may be a cost associated depending on whatever it is that you built to support a a certain partner. So for example, the cost to support say white labeling may be significant, which maybe you don't currently have support for that. And maybe you've costed it and you know how many months it's going to take or whatnot, but getting interest from that specific partner, I think is important to gauge whether or not there's, there's any legs to stand on. And then from there, you know, I think it's, it's perfectly reasonable to then, you know, do the due diligence on, how many customers does that partner think that they're going to be able to bring you? What's the cost to acquire those customers and so on? And then separately, you know, what's the cost to build whatever, whatever the functionality is in this example, the white labeling, um, you know, for, for that partnership. And I think if it all makes sense, you know, financially, then, you know, no brainer, but, you know, maybe because of the pricing model, it may not make sense. Maybe because of just, you know, sheer volume versus, you know, breadth versus depth plays, you know, it may or may not make sense. But I think that's all part of the, you know, I would try to be very conscious about the decision making as opposed to just let's do all partnerships, if you know what I mean. No, I think I definitely agree with you. So I'm all for a spray and pray to get uh, the feelers out there and to see who is interested and who's not. And then you know, evaluate it once you've got all of your options clear, evaluating the cost and it costs not even just from a financial perspective, but also things like opportunity cost. Like, you know, let's say a potential corporate comes forward as your first partner to respond positively and you jump at it, but an, an alignment with their brand potentially means missing out on all of the other players in their space. And if it's the industry that you really see a lot of value in, then you might've been better to wait it out a little bit and, and I guess see all of the chips you have on the table. I don't play poker. This is probably a horrific reference, but <laughs> see all of the cards before you play your hand or exactly. whatever it is. Exactly right. So to start with, we'll, we'll obviously push the word out and see what partnerships are available, but something that I think we can start with at a fairly low risk is finding friendlies who would be willing just to spread the word for us to, you know, say their large entrepreneurship audiences or their large DevOps audiences. Would you agree? Totally agree. Yep. And so then I think that, you know, something you were just touching on was almost the selection criteria for strategic partnerships, which is obviously hugely important and considering a range of things like brand alignment, audience, even global um, presence. If, if you are looking at how to expand globally, you don't want to do something in one country that's going to limit you when you, when you do go down the track and, and want to expand. But I guess since where we really want to start is just with this informal outreach, I guess I would narrow our, our selection criteria down to just a few things and obviously want to get your thoughts on this. So firstly is the audience alignment, as you've mentioned, 
Um, we only want to partner with people who actually have an audience that's relevant for us and potentially could convert to paying and, and long lasting customers. Um, the second is non-competitive. So we ideally would want to do some research and make sure that whoever we're reaching out to doesn't already have the same offering or, or is partnered with a potential competitor. And then third is, I think it's really just a case of who you know in these early days because you know, we're asking someone to spread the word on a product that doesn't yet exist. So it's almost it's a little bit of a leap of faith. So I think finding friendlies who know you, know me, know, know our work and, and can almost have a play with the product themselves first and, and feel confident to be pushing it out to their, to their networks on our behalf is how we would want to approach it. Would you agree or are there other criteria you would also want to include? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a great list. I think, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we've put a stake in the ground around personas. So that's, that's one thing we've put a stake in the ground, you know, especially following the previous podcast, you know, in terms of how we're going to acquire or at least one of the ways that we're going to acquire. I think trying to test that is obviously trying to test that sooner rather than later is obviously important. And then, you know, also being open to explore other ways to acquire a similar audience, I think is also key as long as it doesn't end up, you know, randomizing and stealing too much time away from, you know, everything else. But, uh, but also I think, you know, to your point, you know, word of mouth is insanely powerful. So, you know, finding the right people to get the word out there, whatever the medium is that they use or whatever the forum is that they use, you know, may also take some time, but man, once you've got, you know, those one or two people, it could just be a gold mine, you know, that, that they might expose you to um, in just such an incredibly positive way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, building on that, find the right people, but I also think it's important to make it as easy as possible for those right people to spread the word and the right messages for you, because, you know, obviously they haven't been on this journey with you. So, as an entrepreneur, we want to protect like our brand and, and our messaging. So uh, something I learned during Techstars recently is, is the power of the forwardable intro. So it's, I think it works the same for people as it does for businesses. And essentially what I mean is like crafting a, a message that someone, your contact in, in one of these partners, partner organizations can literally copy paste, you know, put their name on and um, we can be, con firstly, it's, much easier for them to agree to spread the word for us if they have something they can just copy paste. And um, secondly, then we can be confident that what's getting pushed out there is, you know, on brand. I love it. I mean, the easier it is for someone to literally just copy paste and forward, you know, it's the, it's back to the conversion, you know, ratio discussion. It's the higher the conversion will be, you know, for someone to lend a hand as opposed to, uh, what is it that you want me to send and how do you want me to send it and who do you want me to send it to? You kind of get around a, a lot of that, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. I think we're on the same page. So yeah, one thing that we can go away and do is obviously craft these messages. So it's forwardable. Um, but something I was thinking about is, you know, we've talked a lot about doing a beta. So, you know, a, a kind of exclusive invitation to a set group of people to, experience the upski product so i think this could be a really good hook for when we approach partner organizations almost say can you you know it's an exclusive invitation we want to invite you and your network to be part of this beta maybe you can just quickly talk about almost why why we're going to have the beta and if you think that would work from a strategic partnership perspective 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think just from a, you know, software engineering perspective, you know, one of the reasons why we do a beta um, is to try to iron out any kinks before opening the floodgates. So selfishly, you know, that's probably the main, you know, driver behind doing something like a beta, um, you know, so that we can get a trusted group of people hammering away at what we've built, um, you know, which helps us also, you know, test performance in a way maybe that we haven't necessarily thought about or um, test features in a way that, you know, we're down in the weeds. So we keep on testing them in the same way every time, but, you know, users are users and, you know, they're going to test them very differently. Um, and then, yeah. you know, the same with, you know, the copy on the website, uh, you know, how things have been worded, phrased and so on. What seems obvious to us may not seem obvious to, you know, someone new or maybe even someone that's used a competitive offering and so on. So that's all part of what one would try to do in a beta is get a bunch of that feedback in so that when you're ready for the actual launch, floodgates open, it's you've kind of ironed out a lot of those kinks, which means, you know, if you were 80, 85 percent good before, you're now 90, 95 percent good you know, when, when you open this floodgates and then, you know, the same with like things like, you know, email marketing and automation and whatnot, you know, you've had a chance to kind of, you know, just make sure that all that stuff worked before opening the floodgates. Cause it would suck if you got hundreds and hundreds of users on day one and maybe your analytics didn't work or maybe your automation didn't work. And, you know, sure you've got the users, which is great, but the experience could have been even better um, and less time consuming if you just had, had those things dialed in and so maybe when we're thinking about approaching these strategic partners it's a case of finding say one or two trusted partners that we can invite to the beta and you know find people who are willing to give us that that feedback that we can then action and then saving i guess some of the larger strategic partners um for the for the larger blasts out to their audiences for post beta when we know everything works exactly right yeah i think that's the right the right approach Okay, perfect. So yeah, I think let's wrap it up there. And thank everyone for listening to the first 90 days podcast. They can access the audio and the blog, which will talk, you know, even more about strategic partnerships anytime through the Growth Academy blog. And tune in next week, we will be talking about customer retention and referrals. So how can you discover what your customers are really thinking? Um, how to interpret their feedback effectively and then use it to guide decisions on your business and what, what you might want to do next. And also when and how you can ask customers to refer their friends, which is essentially the most cost-effective source of acquisition. So definitely something to nail. So as always, think big, start small and act fast.